0: Most kids resent a dad who's constantly pushing them. Let's go. But not Rick Hoyt. We can do this. For years, Rick has been pushed, pulled, and carried by his dad, and he loves it. Here they come! That's because Rick, a wheelchair quadriplegic since birth, and his father, Dick, together have competed in over 65 marathons. So when you see Dick Hoyt pushing his son around, you're witnessing extraordinary devotion. Pass it on from the Foundation for a
1: Better Life at values.com. A few words for a successful life. Always ask why. Why? Tell the truth. All the time. Why? Write thank you notes. Eat right, sleep right. And exercise. If you don't like your job, change it. Why? Be creative every day. Take a fun trip. You don't always have to do things fast. These motivating thoughts from Randy Pausch's last lecture remind each of us to live our dreams. Can I go now? My dog wants to play. Oh yeah. Play with your dog. And with your kids. Motivation. Pass it on. From the Foundation for a Better Life at values.com Stitcher Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, and more.
2: Hello everyone and welcome back to our channel of KLP Entertainment. Reporting live from our newsroom, this is SNN. I'm Beatrix Gemma. Here's your business news breaking for May 22nd. Startups bring Silicon Valley ethos to a lumbering military-industrial complex. Small, fast-moving U.S. Tech firms are using the war in Ukraine to demonstrate a new generation of military systems but face the challenge of selling them to a risk-averse defense department. Capella Space, a San Francisco-based startup, is building a fleet of small, inexpensive satellites that can track enemy troops as they move at night or under cloud cover that traditional optical satellites cannot see through fortum technologies a small aerospace company in utah wants to supply the pentagon with a new type of unmanned aircraft that can disable enemy drones Hawkeye 360, a Virginia-based firm, has used private equity funds to launch its own satellites that use radio waves emitted by communications equipment and other electronic devices to detect the presence of enemy troop concentrations. Each of these systems is getting real-world testing in the war in Ukraine, earning praise from top government officials there and validating investors who have been pouring money into the field. But they are facing a stiff challenge on another field of battle. The pentagon's slow-moving risk-averse military procurement bureaucracy when it comes to drones satellites artificial intelligence and other fields startup companies frequently offer the pentagon cheaper faster and more flexible options than the weapons systems produced by the handful of giant contractors the pentagon normally relies on but while the military has provided small grants and short-term contracts to many startups those agreements often expire too quickly and are not large enough for young companies to meet their payrolls, or grow as rapidly as their venture capital investors expect. Several have been forced to lay people off, delaying progress on new technologies and war-fighting tools. As the United States seeks to maintain its national security advantage over China, Russia and other rivals, Pentagon leaders are only now beginning to figure out how to bring a Silicon Valley ethos to the lumbering military-industrial complex. This kind of change doesn't always move as smoothly or as quickly as I'd like," Defense Secretary Lloyd J. Austin III conceded during a speech in December before a crowd in Simi Valley, California, that included executives from many startup technology companies. Current and former senior Pentagon officials acknowledged in interviews that the Defense Department still often requires years of planning and congressional funding decisions before it will buy products from startups in quantities sufficient to keep their businesses going. We sometimes have too much bureaucracy, too many checkers, checking the checkers, Deborah Lee James, the former Secretary of the Air Force, said last month. Industry executives refer to their situation as the ''valley of death'' where the slow pace of government contracting can lead them to bleed out their funding while they await decisions. One San Francisco-based startup, Prima Technologies, makes an artificial intelligence tool that analyzed thousands of hours of unencrypted Russian radio communications to help find targets, but has struggled to stay afloat as it has waited for major defense contracts. Small companies can't just sit there twiddling their thumbs for two or three years until our contract gets in place," Heidi Shire, the Under-Secretary of Defense for Research and Engineering, said late last year at the Reagan National Defense Forum. Pentagon officials in charge of buying have also been trained to avoid risk, after decades of scandals associated with overpriced toilet seats, ships that do not work and corruption. That culture is not a good match for technology companies that thrive on innovation, speed and constantly upgrading their products. The buyers at the Pentagon, they're trained often to say, no, to stay within the rulebook, said Payam Benazadeh, the founder and chief executive of Capella Space. The war in Ukraine is still largely being fought with 20th-century weapons, like rifles, artillery and howitzers. William A. LaPlante, the Undersecretary of Defence for Acquisition and Sustainment, has mocked some of the claims about how important American technology has been in Ukraine, telling military contractors last year that, whatever your favourite gadget is, it's hardcore production of really serious weaponry and that's what matters. He added that the fighting against Russia in Ukraine was not being done by Silicon Valley right now, even though they're going to try to take credit for it. But in an interview, he said he agrees commercial technology has changed the battlefield in important ways, particularly the commercial satellite tools that have given Ukraine much greater surveillance capacity. The tech is really important, he said. For the Pentagon, the task of picking from among emerging companies is complicated by the tendency of certain startups to exaggerate the capacity of their technologies and the differing approaches companies take to addressing a military need. We recommend picking winners, backing them meaningfully and see what they can deliver," Whitney McNamara, a former Pentagon science advisor, said in describing a new report for the Atlantic Council examining ways to accelerate warfighting technology acquisitions. From the early months of the war, SpaceX's Starlink, the Elon Musk-founded satellite internet service, had played a critical role for frontline Ukrainian troops. But small drones and a denser collection of satellites are also helping to provide the capacity for pervasive surveillance, allowing Ukraine to identify and track threats and targets constantly. A new generation of cheaper and more precise attack drones carrying bombs can loiter in the air autonomously until they find their targets. Artificial intelligence-backed computer systems confuse this collected data and other feeds to make targeting decisions, faster than any human. The Ukrainians have also innovated a great deal themselves, impressing Pentagon officials as they have converted commercial drones, for example, into mini-bombers. Taken together, said Thomas X. Hamas, who studies warfighting history at the Pentagon-backed National Defense University, the developments represent a genuine military revolution and one that is happening much more quickly than the shift from infantry that traveled by foot in World War I to the motorized and mechanized armies of World War II. Today's rate of change does not allow the United States and its allies and partners the luxury of two decades to transition," said Mr. Hamas, a 30-year veteran of the Marines. You are beginning to see a willingness to accept this is happening all the way up to the three- and four-star general level they understand it has to happen. The question is, how do you make it happen? Backed up with beating drums and patriotic music, a montage of video clips show off in rapid succession, a series of successful intercepts by a new type of warfighting tool, an unmanned vehicle that lifts off when an enemy drone is detected, tracks the incoming weapon and using a Spider-Man like net, disables it. Manufactured by Fortum, the Utah based startup, It earned the nickname of the Shard Hunter, referring to the Iranian-made attack drones that the unmanned Fortum aircraft were intercepting. It is just one of at least 30 new products identified by the New York Times manufactured by mostly small tech startups in the United States that have been used on the front lines in Ukraine or by allies helping the Ukrainians. This American-based technology is arriving in Ukraine through a variety of arrangements. They include donations by the companies direct acquisition by the Ukrainian government or groups that support it, or purchases by the United States government, which then sends it to Ukraine. The most conventional of these devices are commercial satellites that deliver traditional photographic images of Russian warfighting equipment and troops, from companies like Maxar Technologies, Blacksky and Planet Labs, which have succeeded in winning billions of dollars in government contracts. The United States government has had advanced satellites in space for years, with capabilities that still exceed what the commercial companies can offer. But starting about five years ago, private sector players like Capella started to launch smaller, cheaper and faster to build units, offering more frequent coverage of the world than even the U.S. government can provide this is really the first major war in which commercially available satellite imagery may play a significant role in providing open-source information about troop movements, military build-ups in neighbouring countries, flows of refugees and more," Ukraine's Minister for Innovation, Mikhail Fedorov, wrote in March 2022 at the outset of the war, accurately predicting the vital role this commercial data has since played. Closer to the ground, small drones manufactured by a growing list of United States-based companies, including Aerovironment, Skidio, Shield AI, Teal Drones, Brink and Anderil Industries, are helping provide Ukraine's so-called persistent surveillance needed to identify and track targets and refugee movement, as well as other threats, according to information provided by the companies, the Pentagon or the Ukrainian government. The U.S government has had its own much larger attack drones used widely in iraq and afghanistan with names like predator and reaper both of which are made by california-based general atomics costing as much as 57 million dollars apiece but the new generation drones are much smaller cheaper and easier to build and could give the military new battlefield options wahid nawabi the chief executive at california-based aerovironment which makes the Switchblade 300 and 600 attack drones, both of which have been used in Ukraine, said the military is moving toward using swarms of small drones in attacks, with perhaps 50 or even several hundred of them descending on targets at the same time. The company has sold about 5,000 of these attack drones to the Pentagon over the last decade, but it is awaiting much larger orders, as Mr. Nawabi said he could manufacture as many as 16,000 a year. Other American-based military technology companies, including D-Drone of Virginia and Skysafe of California, have sent products to Ukraine that allow the government there to track incoming enemy drones, or in D-Drone's case, to use a rifle-like device that sends targeted radio pulses to jam the enemy drone, disabling it before it can hit its target. Perhaps the most revolutionary use of American technology in Ukraine has been the application of software that uses artificial intelligence, Made by Palenta to help with targeting efforts. The company's chief executive, Alex Karp, traveled to Ukraine last year to meet with President Volodymyr Zelensky. If you go into battle with old school technology, Mr. Karp said this year at an event to discuss artificial intelligence tools in warfare, and you have an adversary that knows how to install and implement digitalized targeting in AI, you obviously are at a massive disadvantage. Some experts say that artificial intelligence, which has been used in Ukraine to help sift through the massive loads of data being accumulated from surveillance, will ultimately prove as disruptive to the nature of warfighting as nuclear weapons. AI is able to make millions of decisions, even before the human knows there is a decision to make, said Will Roper, who served as the top Air Force procurement official until 2021 and still serves as an advisor to the Pentagon. It's kind of like being at the starting block of a new era of warfare.
0: Arsenal are stepping up their attempts to sign a new midfielder this summer with new targets emerging. The latest is the Manchester City captain Ilkay Gundogan. Just a day after lifting the Premier League trophy, he's on a list of targets which includes Declan Rice, Moises Caicedo and Mason Mount. Gundogan is out of contract in the summer, but last month he said talks with City were ongoing. Pep Guardiola has made it clear in recent interviews he wants his captain to stay. The Arsenal boss, Mikel Arteta, worked closely with Gundogan when he was Guardiola's assistant at City. As for Declan Rice, we expect Arsenal to make a bid for the West Ham captain at the end of the season. It's our understanding that Rice has a gentleman's agreement that he can move in the summer, provided West Ham receive an offer worth £120 million, be that in a transfer fee or a transfer fee plus player. Well, internal discussions at Arsenal are continuing over the possibility of signing the England midfielder, who has a year left on his contract at the Hammers, with the option of a further year. Arsenal are also keeping an eye on Moises Caicedo's situation at Brighton. Arsenal had two bids rejected in January, the second of which was worth 70 million pounds. The player has since signed a new contract, but the Brighton boss Roberto De Zerbi has admitted that he could leave in the summer. Meanwhile, Chelsea's Mason Mount is another target. He is also out of contract at the end of next season.
3: have a pretty epic water crisis in Mexico City. And so we figured let's start harvesting rainwater in these neighborhoods where people need it. Isla Urbana is an organization that designs and installs rainwater harvesting systems. We've installed something like 24,000 or 25,000 rainwater harvesting systems, just using revenue. 25
1: days
4: Sólo de noche llega el agua, viernes o se le ve amarilla. Ahora huele. Para tomar compramos.
2: digo, mi esto va a ser la guerra del agua.
3: The rainwater harvesting systems that we install are pretty simple. It teaches people how to harvest, filter and potabilize water at home. The whole thing starts with the roof of the house, which is the catchment surface. So we work with the family so that. They have a very clear understanding of keeping the roof as clean as possible. The water that falls off of that roof, we channel through gutters and pipes. We chlorinate that water. We do a simple sedimentation process that allows fine particles of sediments to settle in the tank. And then after that, we pass it through a pretty simple filtration system that then feeds water to the rest of the house. And we can get water of uh, whatever quality we need. From kind of generally used domestic water, we can get purified water that you could bottle.
4: Me subo cuando ya va a llegar temporada de lluvia y ahí la recolectamos. Para muchas cosas sirve, está limpiecita.
2: Captamos de 15 mil a 20 mil litros de agua por año, ¿eh? 10 personas que ocupamos esa agua. Todo el año con esa agua la pasamos. Nos alcanza, gracias a Dios. Llegaba el momento que ya cuando se acaba la temporada de agua se quedaban los 800 litros y eso no lo teníamos que hacer que durara 3 o 4 meses. Y ahora con el sistema de captación de aguas pluviales podemos captar 3000 litros de agua. Y esto ya tiene cierto tipo de filtros
3: que sale de mejor calidad. Harvesting rainwater, it's an ancient practice that people have done forever and like just kind of largely abandoned as we kind of adopted other ideas of how we should get water and what modern water access should look like, but in that pursuit, there's all of these millions of people that just kind of fell through the cracks and were left in these continuously precarious situations, living with often very, very small amounts of water, often with water very poor quality, often paying an enormous amount of proportional to their income getting water.
4: The well, scarcity has years, that it doesn't Hace poco nos falló, como 15 días. Tuvimos que pedir una pipa, costó 700 pesos.
2: Cada vez nos limitaban más el servicio del agua. La de la red no es de que sea mala, pero también ya hojas, tierra, bacterias, como para tomar ya no sirve.
3: Mexico City is one of the top 10 cities uh, rated most likely to run out of water in the world by the Nature Conservancy. We've done a lot of work getting policy passed. Mexico now has requirements for rainwater harvesting systems to be uh, integrated into new construction. Very fundamentally, we need to start being able to use the water that we have and reduce the amount of water that we need to pull out of the ground. And the most direct and simplest way to do that is to start actually using the rainwater that falls on us.
4: Hace muchos años había mucha agua. Eran muchas zanjas de agua limpia. Mucha agua del subsuelo. Aquí rascaba uno antes, eh, un metro, medio metro y salía el agua. Todavía en 1970 había mucha agua. Creció la mancha urbana y todo se derrumbó. Se acabó todo.
3: I would trace the story of Mexico City's water crisis to an event that happened in 1607, when the Viceroy of New Spain based out of Mexico City decided that Mexico City was going to be a dry land city like Madrid and made the decision to drain the lake of Texcoco. As the city was built on this old lake bed, the soft ground underneath would sink. And the result of channeling all of the rain out of the city as quickly as possible to avoid flooding has also stopped the process of recharging the groundwater. And that's kind of the core of the water crisis in Mexico City.
4: Siempre ahorrando el agua, siempre ahorrando, que debemos de saber cuidar el agua, porque qué va a ser para nuestras generaciones futuras? Qué van a ser?
2: Ahorita lo estamos viendo. Más adelante lo vamos a vivir peor.
4: Las necesidades son más, porque somos más en el planeta. Y es la misma agua que
3: hay. deeply intimate vision into how people are experiencing the water crisis and I think it's something that will end up being relevant to many many cities throughout the world what's being developed here in Mexico City.